Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Cheryl Kalan from Apostrophe Health. Sharon, welcome. Hi, how are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. So here's the game plan. What we seek to do here on the show is challenge the status quo and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. Sound like something you want to help with? Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So to get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about you and apostrophe so the audience knows a little bit about who they're listening to, and then we'll get into it. Cheryl Kelland is the CEO and co-founder of Apostrophe Health. Cheryl wakes up every day to build the health plan that can fix America. She's a concept to launch product expert who has delivered more than $750 million in revenue from version one hardware, software, and internet products at both startups and marquee brands. She grew her last startup, Biosport, from a $400,000 Kickstarter to the number one rated fitness wearable on Amazon. Cheryl has an MBA from MIT Sloan and an undergraduate degree from the University of Chicago. She's an ultra runner, an Ironman, and a mom of four. That's all right. (laughs) So, like, yeah, the the fixing healthcare thing is what I do in my free time. It's awesome. (laughs) I was about to say, you probably have a pretty busy life. (laughs) (laughs) This has somehow become all consuming here at Apostrophe. Some somehow, right? So Cheryl, okay, you have a super interesting background because you've been largely in product development, leadership roles, sales roles for um, it seems like in the tech space. Yes, I'm a Um, tech person. Okay, so how did you make that transition of working in in tech in Silicon Valley to deciding to get into the healthcare payer space? So, I mean, really, and this sounds so, it sounds so geeky or it sounds so fake, but I was between companies trying to figure out what I was going to do next after I wrapped up Be a Sport. I read a case study about this company, Rosen Hotels. And Harris Rosen was a great entrepreneur, had a huge hotel chain, wanted to provide benefits to his employees from day one. The problem was his employees were really expensive to insure. They were, you know, house cleaners, wait staff, yard maintenance. A lot of them were first generation immigrants from Haiti. It sort of seemed like an overwhelming expense. But what they did at Rosen is they, like every smart employer, they self-insured, but then they also rolled their own health plan. And the things they did were, were really different, but also at the same time, very common sense. Mm-hmm. And the results, they improved employee retention, they improved employee health, they improved the net promoter scores at their hotels because their employees were more engaged and happier. And they did this all while cutting their costs 60%. They cut their costs so much on healthcare that they started funding free college tuition for their employees and their employees' children. And then they started putting in free preschool and daycare in the communities where their employees lived. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. If a hotel chain in Florida can do that, why can't we do that for everyone? Like every employer should have that opportunity. So we got on the phone with this team for a few hours and we came off the call and we're like, oh my gosh, they're totally managing that on spreadsheets and stuff. Like we can make this scalable because I'm from tech. I was like, 
we could build a lot of that into a managed SaaS platform and deliver healthcare savings as a service to every mid-sized employer out there because every employer deserves to be able to do what Rosen did. And it was really like that. I was like, oh, heck yeah, that's what we've got to do. It's doable. <laughs> like, it is a solvable problem. We can make it work. I love that. I love that. So you basically read an article, saw a case study and said, how can I scale this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And wow. they worked so hard on it. They were, you know, they were like, oh my gosh, we'd love to see you replicate this to other people. This would be great. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Well, we're going to get into that in, in depth, but I always like to start these interviews, you know, looking at healthcare from a macro perspective. Yeah. And so, you know, we have this, this healthcare system that just seems to consume more and more of our disposable income. Tell me in your words, what do you think is wrong with the healthcare system in general? And, and why do we continue to see, you know, higher costs year in and year out? Yep. Oh, this is like one of those, you know, boring rote answers, but I mean, the, the incentives in the whole system are misaligned, right? People get paid more for treating you more. It can't function. You know, what I think is really crazy is, and I operate sort of outside the healthcare system in my personal life, right? I'll be really clear. My company, we're not big enough to self-insure ourselves and run our own plan. And so I know what it feels like to pay most of my healthcare expenses out of my pocket. Well, that's actually what most employees do. And yet you've taken away that control of them. You've built the wrong incentives in for everyone to want to treat you more or charge you more because they make more money. And yet you've put that burden on the employee and you've said, actually, you're spending a lot of your own money on this, you know, $1,500 a year, $3,500 a year, depending on what your, your out-of-pocket costs are. And we're not letting you control where you go at all. We're making it impossible for you to know how much things cost and what the quality is or what you really need to do. Like, it's totally a rub. I'd be pissed if someone was telling me I was getting a benefit and then they were telling me how and where I had to spend my own money but couldn't tell me how much of my own money that was. I mean, that just makes you angry. It's one of the biggest misconceptions out there that, that high-deductible health plans can actually be you know, effective in, in consumerism because employees don't have the tools to be able to know what things cost, what quality is. Yep. I mean, you call a hospital and ask them what something costs, they don't know. They have no idea. Yep. Yeah. The hospital doesn't know what it costs. The, the person running your health plan doesn't usually know how it costs. Um, we, were, we were talking to one big carrier who has a large fully insured and a large ASO business. And, you know, we told them your PPO contracts are priced at 250 to 400% of what Medicare is charging. And they were like, oh, no, they're not. We have the best discounts out there. They're way lower than that. I'm like, I have clients sending me their claims data every day. No, that's what your prices look like now. Like they didn't even know what they were being charged. Like that's yeah, just well, wrong. That almost sounds like a little feigned ignorance though. <laughs> no, it was actually pretty legit. Now it was more scary. Well, if that's the case, then that is pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's transition um, into talking about apostrophe health. Yeah. So your, your website indicates, and, that, and I mentioned this in your bio, that you know, you're building the health plan that can fix America, which is, <laughs> which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And I love that. So it keeps the team motivated. And <laughs> truly, that's what it feels like every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us, you know, what is the apostrophe health product and service and, and what problem are you attempting to solve in the marketplace? Yep. Um, you know, we went out with a very cost-centric message. You know, we can do these things to make a plug and play to cut the cost of your, your health plan benefits and give a better experience to your employees in the process. Mm -hmm. 
what came back to us from employers was that saving money was on par with, and these are the employer's words, making their benefit feel like a benefit again. Mm-hmm. And that was really, you know, motivating to us because it wasn't, you know, it was blending that right mix of, you know, cost savings and experience together. But to hear it back from the employer and to say, you know, gosh, I'm spending $10,000 an employee, $15,000 an employee a year, and they hate their benefits. They can't use them. They're too expensive. They can't figure it out. They spend time, you know, when they're supposed to be at work fighting with the billing office. And then they bring the problem to me. Like, we thought we were solving one problem. It turns out there's actually a bigger can of worms there to solve. Absolutely. So you guys are a third-party administrator. I know. That's where we fit in the ecosystem. That's, I like that's, to think I'm a SaaS platform because that's how we operate and that's, what our, 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 that's our guts. But yes, we take the place of the third-party administrator in the network. Okay. All right. Wait, well, if you, if you want to think of yourself as a SaaS platform, then can go do that. <laughs> you, 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 you can, but I, I think it's worthwhile. Tell our audience what that means because you're, the, the people that are listening to this podcast aren't tech people. So right. a SaaS platform is what? It's software as a service. And for us, you know, SaaS platform for me, me means savings as a service. Mm-hmm. We are a turnkey solution with the best practice, you know, strategies for saving you money and making your benefit feel like a benefit again. So one, you know, one phone number, one person to call, one email, one website, not 15 different vendors. And that's, you know, not 15 different vendors for the member to know about, not 15 different vendors for the employer to know about. And as importantly, not 15 different members for the benefits consultant to have to juggle around and piece together. Okay. One stop right. shopping for a turnkey solution. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I want to talk about a number of those things that that you mentioned, but first I want to talk about the savings portion of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's think about, you know, the typical network discount model, right? Because we just talked about, we just talked about that. Right. And so the network discount model, hugely inefficient, tons of price variation. It's almost like it was designed to produce waste. And I think it actually creates medical inflation. It allows providers to raise rates on a regular basis. And you know, it's, know. It's, part, it's, it's part of the problem, yeah. right? But I don't see a lot of third-party administrators doing a lot to address this. For the most part, they're saying, hey, we're a third-party administrator. We'll adjudicate your claims. Here's a network we'll plug in and here are services that we'll sell you, right? So yeah. What are you guys doing differently with regard to provider reimbursement to help employers reduce cost? Yep. So we're doing a number of different things. First of all, we go out with a, a, what we call an open network. You can go to any doctor you choose. There's no trying to figure who's in or who's out or who's covered by your benefits. We'll cover everyone. And then we'll use a combination of strategies to pay them. Our goal Our goal is, of course, the lowest rates, but maybe sometimes even more important than that, it's transparency. Um, So you can go to anyone you choose, but and we'll we'll reimburse that provider if we have a direct contract for a bundled rate. We'll do that. Sometimes cash pay rate and being able to you know pay pay everything up front right away is the best way to do that. Um, As a TPA, we're equipped to do that. I don't think there's anyone else out there that can do that. Or we'll pay a multiple of Medicare. And a fair multiple of Medicare, not to get the lowest rate, but to deliver transparency. So when you're working with an employer, you're working with them to kind of determine 
what the reference-based reimbursement amount would be as a as a multiple of Medicare. For example, you know, is it 150 or 175 or 200 percent of Medicare? Yeah, 200, 240 in some rural areas. We'll come in with that knowledge. The employer can't know that. Some benefits consultants know the right rate for the market, but we can come in with a lot of data to inform inform mm-hmm. that model. The reason we have been successful with this blended payment model and this open network is sort of the other thing we do really different is we pay bills differently. This makes a ton of difference. We'll pay the plan portion of the bill, but we'll also pay the provider the member portion of the bill. And then we collect from the member on the back end. Ah, so So this changes the whole calculus on the provider side, right? Right, because we've talked about this before with a number of other guests. You know, there's this whole notion of revenue cycle management. Yep. where you know providers are spending up to 30% of their their revenue on staff and third parties to go out and actually collect what they're owed from either the TPA or the uh, employees who their their patients yep. who they're seeing. So you're basically saying we're going to eliminate you trying to collect from the patient. We'll just pay you the whole reimbursement amount. Yep. And then guess what we get? We get the lowest rates because we've taken that headache off their plate. And the members are loving it because sometimes people don't pay because they don't have the ability to pay, but a lot of times they don't pay because they don't know who they owe what to, right? One emergency room visit is going to get you 13 different bills at 13 different times. And there's going to be the first bill that's not really what you owe, the second bill that's not really what you owe, the third bill that's not really a bill, and then the fourth bill with what you owe. But by then you're like, ah, I don't know who I owe what to. And if I hit my deductible, and it's insanity. We put it it in all one place for the member. So what they see is clear, easy to understand, fully audited, and they can pay it really simply. So essentially the consumer, what they're going to get is they're just going to go in, have their service. And then in the mail, they'll get an explanation of benefit with a bill of what they actually owe. So it's only one thing they're going to get versus, like you said, you know, 13 different bills. Exactly. Yep. Okay. 13 selection calls and everything else there. So that gives us a lot of leverage in the market to you know, work with the best quality providers and to pay rates that are both fair as well as transparent because we're doing something no one else has done before. This is the members super happy because their life has become easier. So how does it work on the provider side? Because you know, a lot of these providers are used to seeing a Buka name on the ID card, right? And so they're going to see the ID card. They're going to see apostrophe health. You know, they're going to call to verify eligibility. So Yep. How does that process work? Because they don't know what the reimbursement is, right? Exactly. And so yeah. it, talk to me about how that process works when the provider calls in to verify eligibility. Yep. We have this great advantage because the team we've built here has launched dozens of new health plans and sort of mid-sized regional plans. So the experience of having the new name on the card is not uncommon to us. And there's education that needs to be done in a market. You know, they're, they're like, what is this thing? It doesn't have anything I recognize on, but they're going to call to check eligibility. They're going to call to find out. And that gives us the chance to educate the providers on what we do and how we operate. Got it. And, and so you, far, we haven't had, we haven't had much friction at all. Yeah, that like was my- the first few weeks, but then they're like, oh, okay, these people pay and oh boy, they pay quickly and we don't have to collect any other money. This is not so bad. That was actually my next question. So when you tell the provider, hey, we reimburse, you know, X percent of of Medicare, uh, but we're going to pay you in full. Like, are you getting pushback on the reimbursement amount or in general, are they just saying that sounds great? (laughs) Yeah, we're we're getting I mean, it's anyone that hasn't done it before is going to be like, oh, my gosh, they must be getting a ton of pushback. No, we're not getting a ton of pushback. 
We're not getting, you know, surprise bills to our members. You know, we're only paying a reference-based rate. And I wish I was looking at the numbers now, but like less than 50% of the time, um, we're taking advantage of cash pay rates, which are usually lower than anything. Um, and it's amazing, you know, and it's amazing how many people want to do transparent direct contracts with you when you pay this way. So sure. providers are coming to us once we're in market and um, wanting to do direct contracting. There is, you know, make the rate transparent and don't make us, you know, only funnel our patients to you. And from a cash pay perspective, they're willing to provide a lower, accept a lower reimbursement amount because you're paying them, what, the same day within one or two days? Sometimes we'll pay at the point of service when okay. the member comes in. Okay. And it's funny, you know, how that, that also enables us like for durable medical equipment, right? Like a CPAP machine. <laughs> we don't have to send our members to the expensive CPAP place there's a contract with, we can send them to CPAP.com with their prescription and they can get the lowest price there. Just us being able to enable them to exercise that basic common sense Mm -hmm. builds a level of trust and a level of, I mean, I hate the word engagement, but a level of like shared responsibility and just respect. Yeah. Like all of a sudden their health plan thinks like they do. This is great. Another question on the provider side, I've noticed on the website that you know you don't require providers to sign contracts credentialed with the apostrophe. So talk to me about just that philosophy as compared to like a traditional, you know, TPA network who's requiring a provider to do all this stuff. Right. Well, I mean, because we're operating in the self-insured, like the credentialing and the contract, so to speak, is an artifact of the fully insured space that's been brought to the self-insured space. A formal contracting is not required in the self-insured space. And when we do contracts with providers, they're pricing agreements. They're two-page pricing agreements. So you know, we can keep things really streamlined. And then when a member contacts us because they need a new doctor, or they need a surgery or something, you know, something's going wrong, mm-hmm. we're able to steer them based on not just cost, but quality. So we can make sure our members are going to the best cost and the best quality provider because we haven't, we haven't tied our hands with a contract to say we only can send people to a certain hospital, even though, you know, they're not the best place for you to go for what's wrong with you. There's a lot of talk about quality today, which is, which is a mm-hmm. good thing. How are you measuring quality? We're using several third-party data sources. The one we use most frequently is based on really extensive CMS data mm-hmm. on, you know, 10 different quality outcomes um, and results. So it. you know, it's not like we're going, not like my team is going to Yelp and seeing how many stars someone has in the rating or asking their friends on Facebook, which happens in real life. You know, I have yeah. this big fancy health plan from Blue Cross and I need neurosurgery. Let me see if my friends on Facebook know where I should go. Like, that's <laughs> not okay. So my team is there to, you know, when something goes wrong to really help the member get them to the best quality care. And it's surprising where that is sometimes. Yeah. You know, you're a great quality hospital, but the doctors there vary in quality. You want to be going to the right one. No, I think that's definitely a thing. The ho- the facility may have good quality ratings, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the, you know, yep. refer- referred <laughs> physician or surgeon does. Yep. And a lot of times what we see is, you know, the referred physician or, or surgeon has great quality ratings, but gosh, they also perform services at a standalone center. Hmm, that's a lot more affordable. Why don't we go there? Same quality doctor, but better, better facility. There you go. Makes yeah. sense. If we can do that heavy lifting for a member and they don't have to think about it, that makes it work. That makes it easier to do that because no one's going to, in their time of need, think of shopping and, you know, nope. I mean, that's just unrealistic. 
No, it, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen right. because most people are, you know, inclined to trust the rec- their, their referral of yeah. their initial position. And trust is the real key thing here. And I think that's what my team is doing really well is we are we are developing and building a trust with our members. Mm-hmm. So we're not the big scary health plan. We're a trusted partner and it's someone they can turn to. So let me ask you a question. This is a, an interesting time in the health insurance and healthcare space. I think there's a lot of innovation happening in the marketplace. You know, one of the shortcomings that we see with, you know, some of the other ASO carriers and TPAs in the marketplace mm-hmm. is that they're a closed platform, right? And, and there's not an opportunity to leverage some of the innovation that's ha- happening in the marketplace. So what is apostrophe? Are you, are you an open source platform? Are you a closed platform? How are you working with employers to be able to kind of plug and play with different vendors in the marketplace? And I'll just give you some examples. Like it could be like a second opinion vendor, or maybe it's a care management vendor, uh, a specific PBM that you know, an employer wants to work with. How does that work in the apostrophe platform? We consider ourselves a curated platform. We are going to bring the best of breed digital health solutions into our platform and integrate them, which means that we can add new solutions quickly as a new employer group needs them, or we can swap solutions out as something better comes on the market. I mean, I can give you a few examples of that, right? We've got, yeah. we've got some groups right now that have a lot of muscular skeletal issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they, a lot of, we have a lot of members maybe in, out in remote areas. I think it's the best way to describe it. Um, yeah. So we brought in, you know, a vendor who has the best, best evidence-based musculoskeletal therapy program out there. They have some centers, but they also have a telemedicine component. Mm-hmm. And now we can offer that telemedicine component to local physical therapists that don't have the training when they go see our members. So we're able to respond to a particular employer's need really quickly with a best of breed third party solution out there. From day one, we've been doing second opinions. Uh, we've worked with two different third parties on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting great results from one. We got great results and better costs from another. So we switched. The members didn't need to know. The employers didn't need to know. The benefits consultants didn't need to know. The service was just there for the members every single day. Got it. So we're so constantly rolling new things in mm-hmm. um, based, on, based on the data we see from employee needs. And then we'll go proactively reach out to the employees that could benefit from those services. Got it. And so from a, for, as an example, PBMs, I know that some TPAs prefer to just work with a number does yeah. the does the employer have the ability to plug and play, or do you have you know partnerships that are you know you know in force and that uh, you require the employer to participate in? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because we're dealing with PBM and stop loss both a little differently. Um, we have preferred providers for both of those things that we think um, operate like we do, which is you know transparently and ethically, and you know with the best interests of the client in mind. But if, a, if an employer or benefits consultant comes in with their favorite PBM or their favorite stop loss provider, we, we let them make that decision. But like if you come in with your favorite telemedicine provider, that's so integrated into our platform, like you're, you're taking ours. Yeah. And we'll make sure we have the best one there and it's reasonably priced. But you know, no one should be tweaking around with those things. So let's talk about reporting. Data we analytics. Love reporting and data here. Well, of course you do because you're a tech person. <laughs> so data analytics is really becoming an important element that employers need access to to manage their spend and, under, and understand the not only the underlying 
story of what happened retrospectively, but what are the opportunities, you know, going forward? And to be honest, I mean, some of the reporting out there is just putrid. It's just bad. Oh my God. So, can you send me another PDF? Like with like, right. I mean, how many, which is average age of your employees in it? And like a, a pie chart of what the gender breakdown is. I mean, it's garbage. It's, it's, it's garbage. It's, it's information that's not very useful. It's information to provide information. So describe your approach to arming an employer with valuable information that they need to kind of monitor what's going on within their health plan, but also be able to be forward looking and identify opportunities. Yep. So this is interesting because this is one of the pieces that we're rolling right out right now to our employers and our benefit consultants. I mean, we've got a huge repository of data on our side and we've put an analytics tool, a third-party analytics tool on top of it that lets us slice and dice by cost and quality and clinical outcomes so we can see gaps in care. My team is operating off that information to bring in new partners and do proactive outreach to members. And we're just getting to the point that we're turning on full access to the benefits consultants. And then we're working with the benefits consultants to say, you know, what is the most important information for you to have to work with your client? But if you're, if, I mean, if we're servicing your employer and you're the consultant on that employer, I want you to be able to see the same information my team can see. Because the more you can work with that employer strategically and keep us all aligned, the better off everyone's going to be. I think that's great. I think in general, most benefits consultants and brokers, they, they want access to the information and uh, yep. you know, real time when they need to run a report as opposed to you know, sending somebody an email and saying, hey, can I get this information? Exactly. And then we're educating the benefits consultants and saying, hey, for this group, we noticed this thing. They've got gaps in care here. Here's what we've done. Like we have one group that has a lot of um, gaps in care around chronic conditions because they've got a lot of employees in primary care shortage areas. Mm -hmm. So we brought in virtual primary care that deals specifically with chronic conditions. And we took the broker through it. We took the employer through it. And then we reached out to their members that needed it. And we're, we're tracking results. So, you know, we think very much in terms of both real-time slice and dice access, but also what is actionable. The yes. pie chart of the gender breakdown of your employees is not actionable. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yep. So, and I think, funny. you know, as a, as a tech company in our DNA, we're used to the process of running what we call experiments, right? Hey, we see an opportunity or a gap here, a place to reduce costs. Let's run an experiment for a few weeks, you know, bring a new program in, do member outreach, and then track the results. Is this working to drive costs lower? Are the members happier? Are and, and net promoter scores you know, going up? Great. Let's roll it out to everyone. And we've got that built into our DNA. We're constantly evolving. I think that's, that's awesome. I think that, you know, there is no, no formula, right? And if you're going to get better, then you have to test and you have to experiment and try new things. And so I think having that iterative sort of uh, muscle, you know, in you is, is a great thing. It's deep in our company. Love that. So let's talk about the, the employee experience for a second. I've spoken on the complexity in our system a number of, of times. And it's, it's funny, there's so many different things that that create to, I think, an overall poor consumer experience. I mean, there's the terminology, the fragmented system, the products, understanding different networks, payment methods, and then of course the insurance component, right? Mm -hmm. And all the different paperwork that people get. So to expect a person to successfully navigate our healthcare system really is, is unrealistic. Other than we talked about, you know, the billing process, like, mm -hmm. you know, not getting bills from the providers. 
What are you guys doing to really focus and create a better consumer experience? I think we've got we've got a little bit of an unfair advantage here because our team is split 50-50 between people that come from the healthcare space mm-hmm. and people that don't. So it's a pretty it's a pretty good filter. If something's going out the door that I don't understand, it doesn't go out the door. Yeah. Like like let's start with coinsurance. What the heck is coinsurance? I don't even know what it means. So let's stop talking about it, right? Um, so, so that's a great example. So what term do you, do you use? We say that you will split the cost of your bills with your employer. They will pay 80%. You will pay 20%. You split the cost because that's what you're doing. <laughs> and who gets the 80% and who gets 20%? Don't call it 80% coinsurance or 20% coinsurance because I don't know what that means. Right. Um, but, it's, you know, it's that level. So when we onboard a new employer, the great thing is we can get a lot of their claims data beforehand. So we get a sense, my internal account management team gets a sense of the employee base and what they need and where they go. So we can make sure we've done some groundwork before going live. But we do, I mean, we'll go out and we'll do an employee meeting and we'll talk in plain, you know, plain English about what's going on. Um, My concierge team that does all our member service, they actually don't come from healthcare. We're pulling them from luxury retail and, you know, Mm. high-end vacation and, you know, white glove service outside of the healthcare space. So they know the kind of experience they want to create and they talk the same language as our members do, which is English, like regular people talking. But then we take the members through, we have a real nice, you know, they got a welcome packet and everything, but then we do education for them online. And there's, you know, a little wizard they go to with some videos in it that tells them what's different about the plan and collects information from them. But we, may, we try to make it really accessible and really engaging and really interactive. And we are trying to get all those bad words out of there. <laughs> Care plan, that's not a word, like... <laughs> You know, there's, there's a lot of things. What we're moving towards on the back half of the year is really um, streamlining plan designs. Okay. What we're seeing come in from self-insured employers that they've inherited from their Buka ASO partners is, I mean, it's a hot mess of confusing. Three levels of in-network, out-of-network, out-of-pocket, MOOP. Like, MOOP? What does MOOP mean? I don't know. So we're trying to streamline that and put real words around it. High deductible health plan? What marketing genius thought about that? You know, <laughs> This is the health plan you use when you want to save more money because you don't have a lot of medical costs. Call it that. So it's really at a fundamental level, sort of questioning all the assumptions that have always been there and making things simple in that language. And um, honestly, I think the biggest thing that has helped us earn trust and helped, you know, helped members reach out to us in their time of need and help them trust our our guidance in their time of need is that, um, and this is crazy, we put our phone number on everything and someone picks up the phone and picks up the phone at hours you would think of calling your health plan, like before work, after work, or on the weekends. Right. And that simple, that simple act, they don't use it all the time, but it shows we care and that they can trust us. Sure. And, and when they, they, when they call, you know, are they, you know, routed through your, you know, your typical phone tree, or are they actually speaking with a live human being and, the phone tree says, if you want to reach a doctor at telemedicine, press one or stay on the line and someone will pick up the inside, like, concierge will answer. And then the concierge picks up. So there is a phone tree. It has one choice. You mentioned the word concierge a couple of times. I want to just 
dive a little deeper into that, right? Because yes. there, there are a number of companies out in the marketplace, you know, that fall under the category of, of healthcare navigators, which is kind yes. of that, that concierge yes. model, which is, you know, been differentiated from the, the, the ASO carrier model where, you know, you may talk to one person one time and then you have to call in the next. And it's a completely different person who has no idea about what you called the last person about. So right. just give a brief description of what that concierge model looks and feels like uh, for the employee. Yep. Um, I mean, the message we are sending out to our members is you can ping us for everything. Email us, call us, text message us, send something in the mail to us, contact us whenever you have a question or a problem or a scary diagnosis or need anything. And then in parallel with that, we do proactive outreach. So if something comes in, if it's an expensive procedure and it has to, you know, get quote unquote preauthorized, you know, approved and reviewed for medical necessity, like every health plan does, you know, if we see that that member is going to a low quality doctor or a really expensive facility, we'll go and proactively reach out and let them know they have other options and sometimes give them an incentive to choose a better option. So we're as proactively engaged as we are reactively engaged. And it can really be about anything, a health issue, a billing issue, you know, a service issue. We had, um, we had an older couple just come on our plan at an employer and they spent 20 minutes on the phone with our concierge as she explained the whole program to them. And, you know, they shared their worries and their fears and like, they just needed to feel comfortable with the change. And the way, you know, the way we focus our team is we are, we're being evaluated on customer satisfaction. Would they tell a coworker that this is the best, you know, health plan ever? So it means that if it takes 20 minutes or 10 minutes or, you know, three follow-ups or follow-up two days later that you actually sure. do, you promised, uh, my team does it. And you only have to do a few of those at a new employer to like get the wow factor. <laughs> right. We well, said they were going to call back with this information in two days, and they did. And everyone <laughs> in the whole workplace knows because when does that ever happen? Well, we're definitely benefiting from the bar being low. I, I was just about to say the same thing. The bar is so low. So you know, low. simple simple acts of kindness and res- responsiveness will uh, will generate generate a lot of appreciation. Yep, but you know, even though the bar is low, it doesn't take much to step over it. Big on our wall and big, you know, big on our values is simplicity, transparency, and love. So even though the bar is pretty low to step over, we're aiming for simplicity, transparency, and love. And that's 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 a higher bar. And we evaluate everything we do on how easy we make it, how transparent it is to the member, and how much care they felt, because all of those things build trust. And it's that trust that allows the benefit to feel like a benefit. And it allows us to get ahead of really expensive issues and make sure the members getting the right care at the best price. Based on on those things you just mentioned, you know, I think one of the best metrics to, to kind of capture how effective you are is that NPS score. Are you guys capturing that? We do a net promoter survey every month. Okay. And the whole team, like including engineering and sales and everyone, we go at a our monthly team meeting, we read through the comments, we talk about what we've done to address the comments, sharing the good stories and the bad. So yes, that is deeply built into our DNA. Okay. All right. I mean, do you want to share with our audience where your NPS is at? We are we are positive. Uh, we're not all the way there yet though, right? We're in the yeah. 30s right now. Uh, all right, cool. 
we had some, you know, we rolled, we rolled out these new um, billing features at the beginning of the year. Um, and there were things we learned that we've corrected and, yeah. you know, they're definitely growing pains in there, but we're up in the thirties again. We were in, uh, when we were just operating as concierge, we were up in the seventies. So we'll get back there soon. It's a Very great, like, it's a great source of feedback. It's the ultimate source of feedback. It's perfect. Right. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, Can we talk for a second? Net Promoter is unforgiving, right? Of course, of course it is. It, it's wonderful like that. Like if you get rated an eight, it doesn't matter. That's neutral. Well, Nothing. Well, I think, I think what people, what people um, oftentimes don't understand is perception is reality. So it yep. doesn't matter what your intentions were. It doesn't matter, you know, what you think of it internally. If externally the marketplace says no, well, Guess what? That's what it the is. Said, the marketplace said no. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we've made a lot. We've made a number of adjustments based on the feedback that's come through MPS, which is fun because you can see it improve then month after month. Absolutely. It's super motivating to the team. Absolutely. So we've talked about a lot, Cheryl. Is there anything that in any aspect to the service you're providing that you know you feel that's unique that we haven't covered that you want to mention for our audience? Gosh, I mean, we went through the open network. We went through concierge. Mm -hmm. We went through how we're paying member bills differently, and we went through curated platform. And you even, I even got you to say SaaS platform for me too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, I think we, you know, we covered all the big differentiators. I think the biggest one going forward for us, though, and what's going to make what we're doing really stick and expand rapidly goes back, goes back to those values I just mentioned, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we, the analogy I thought was best about us is we're the Southwest Airlines of health plans, right? Southwest Airlines is the only airline that's always profitable and always has a super high net promoter score. And what have they built their service around? Simplicity, transparency, and love. And I think that's just, it's our foundation going forward. Um, that's going to keep us really differentiated and really making that benefit feel like a benefit again. Got it. Love it. So we haven't talked about fees or cost savings. So what is your, you know, in, in the traditional TPA, you're going to have a, uh, you know, a PEPM fee and then a network access fee. Well, in this case, you guys don't have a network that you're using. Mm -hmm. So is your fee structure PEPM? Uh, only, uh, or, you know, what's, what does it currently look like? Um, we've got our PPM is competitive with anything else out there on the market. If you consider the admin fee and the network fee combined. Got it. You know, we can talk about it like an admin fee and a prompt pay network fee. Cause even though we're not renting you a contract, um, we're operating a whole bunch of stuff on that side, paying the yeah. bills and the direct contracts we do and a whole bunch of other stuff. But we're, I mean, we're looking competitive to anything out there. I've also, you know, heard one of your team members talk about a shared in, uh, shared savings yeah. incentive structure. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? So, you know, what we want to do in our pricing is be completely transparent to the employer, and the employer always know what they're going to be paying to make sure that our incentives and the employer's incentives are always aligned. So, we've got this flat PEPM. No, no other funny business or small fees hidden somewhere or small percentage taken off the top or kickbacks from any of our vendors, straight PEPM fee. And then at the end of the plan year, we take 25% of the savings we've delivered over the year. 
Mm-hmm. And we're calculating those savings on a real clear, easy to understand number that we set at the beginning of the plan year. The contracts we have in place right now are doing it off of a three-year rolling average of medical spend. And it's so at the end, you know, what's your three-year rolling average of medical spend? And at the end of our plan year, what was what was our medical spend? We'll take 25% of that difference. Everyone knows from day one what it's gonna be, what we're benchmarking against. I, I like I like that. So let me let me repeat what I heard. So you'll we'll take 36 months historical claims experience to look at, establish the benchmark of what's been paid. And what you're saying is, hey, we're not just going to control your medical inflation. We're actually going to try to go decrease, you know, from, you know, that baseline cost. And, And if we're able to actually, you know, provide you with negative medical inflation and help drive costs down lower, then, you know, we'll take, you know, a percentage of the savings. Yep. That's exactly what we're doing. So no, not not discounts off of build charges, which we've seen, or, you know, if we claw some money back in the background, we'll take 30% of it. I mean, I've seen everything in these contracts and it's all ridiculous. Yes. If you paid less for your medical costs this year than you did last year, we'll get 25% of that. I think most CFOs would probably be okay with that. They have been so far. They actually found it a little bit refreshing. Um, you know, what, I mean? what it means on a smaller plan, though, is if they have a bad year, we may have made that bad year less bad. But if it's higher, it's higher. And we're fine with that. Like, we don't want to yeah. take money where they are spending more. There's no special caveats like, hey, you had, you know, double the amount of large claimants that, no. that, that you did. Okay. Yeah. It's got to be math. We can, like, put a baseline number in a contract and do the math on a whiteboard at the end of the plan year. It's got to be that easy. Who wants to like negotiate and carve out? No, we've seen these contracts and they're just ridiculous. You should know what you're paying. Got it. Going And and that goes back to the simplicity component, right? Exactly. And the transparency component and maybe a little bit on the love too. Yeah. (laughs) It keeps us aligned because it keeps my team continually looking for helping make that next investment. The investment, you know, we're making now on virtual primary care for this group is going to pay off three or five years down the line through better managed, you know, chronic conditions. It's worth us doing it then because we know we've got skin in the game down the line. Yeah, I love that. And I do love virtual primary care, by the way. I signed up myself not too long ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, hey, you guys are a relatively new TPA in the marketplace. You launched how many years ago? Um, we've been around for two years okay. and we just, in January, we started doing, you know, the full range of services we're doing with the bill pay and everything, yep. everything okay. else. Um, Got it. our, our company is new. Our team has been doing this for a lot of years. So, so how not, many, that's not our first rodeo. Yes. Yes. So how many, how many clients and members have you, uh, you brought on board so far? We just started selling. We were working with an 1800 member group of employers across Colorado, 26 mm-hmm. different employers. And we just started selling outside of Colorado. So we're up to about 2,500 members right now. And that's growing rapidly. The July business is about to come online and boost that up. And then January is the big, the big month. We're seeing a lot of traction in the middle of the country and traditional industries where they're maybe a little bit closer to their balance sheet and a little bit more paternalistic on their employees and know they need to change. Well, I, I'm going to guess some of the lower margin businesses um, are, are probably going to be a little bit more open-minded about you know, some of this stuff. Yep. They, they, can't, they can't push any more costs to their employees and they're at a breaking point. 
And it's great to see when they roll out with us, not just to see the cost savings, but to see the, the excitement with their employees once they realize it can feel different. You know, there's always a fear of change, but once we have a, the first few good experience out as an employer, it's really, it's really nice to see the employees feel like they're being better taken care of and someone's watching out for them. Absolutely. What are some of the obstacles that you've encountered to maybe an employer saying yes to, you know, signing up with you guys? Oh, let's be clear. You know, who's going to be first with this new thing in a new market? I mean, that, that's what it is. Um, and that's more on the benefit consultant side. We've seen the employers more willing to be like, hey, I'm at, you know, I'm at my limit on this cost thing. I'm at my limit on the bad experience. I'm willing to try something new. And sometimes it's the brokers that's hesitant. Do we really want to be, you know, first in Grand Rapids or first in Memphis? You know, it doesn't matter that we've got this, you know, footprint. We've been doing this for a while and our partners have been doing it for a while. Um, it's first in my region. That's yes. the big jump. Um, so- so back to that inertia, right? And, yep. and maybe, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Whether, yes. whether it's on the employer side or the broker consultant side. Yeah. We, yep. We see and that. I think there's, you know, there's enough consultants out there that, you know, understand the, um, the real rub on those, you know, on the networks right now that understand, like the gig is up on those with some benefits consultants and they can help their clients think through that. And that's the place we're getting the most traction. Awesome. Gosh, we've talked about a lot. Um, yeah, it's been sort of fun. We've covered just about everything. Yeah. What are, what are you most excited about right now in your business? You know, any improvements or enhancements that are on the horizon that you want to you tell us about? Again, we're improving and enhancing stuff every day. What I'm actually getting most excited about is we're coming up to the end of the plan year on our, you know, our big Colorado group that we've been working with for a while. And I'm excited to see how they're going to take the savings we deliver and reinvest it. It's a group of 26 school districts. One of the school districts is talking about taking their savings and putting in a direct primary care clinic in their town. Another one of the districts is taking their savings and rolling it into an HRA contribution to close the gap on their real high deductibles. Another group is using it to completely subsidize all primary care. You know, that's, wow. this, is, this is what gets exciting, right? It's, we're going to keep doing these things to help reduce the cost, but seeing how the employers use that, those savings, you know, are they using it to boost wages? Are they using it to hire? Are they using it to give better benefits? That's the really exciting part because that's the part that ties into the health plan that can fix America. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so that, that keeps me super motivated. That's an awesome story, one. And two, I mean, it sounds like there have been significant savings that have been achieved to allow them to do some of those things. I mean, do, do you want to share just what? I, I am not going to share direct numbers quite yet. <laughs> I'd love to come back and do that soon, but we're looking at 30% easily right now. Wow. It's crazy. And I'll be able to, you know, we come back and talk about it later. I'll be, I'll be able to break down exactly where we got it. But at the top level, we are seeing it across not just unit costs decreases, smarter utilization, closing gaps in care on you know, diabetes and heart disease and chronic conditions. We're seeing it in all the places you would hope to see it. Okay. Um, well, well, we may have to do, we may have to do a follow-up episode to, to dive into those numbers a little bit. I will totally geek out on those numbers, but yeah, it's 30, 40%, like right off the bat. It, I mean, that's real money on a plan that's spending over $10,000 a year per employee. That's real. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Huge. All right, Cheryl, if there was one question that I should have asked you 
that I did not ask you, what would it be? When are you going to catch a little bit of break and start training for Ironman Boulder 2019? <laughs> <laughs> Hold me accountable <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> oh, there's no way I was going to think of that one. So, <laughs> um, we're, You should have asked me, uh, are we going to be doing a lot of hiring soon? And should folks with experience in tech development and marketing and sales and, you know, health plan operations contact us? And I would have said, yes, they should. Okay. Okay, great. So well, I'm motivated I'm, by the mission and the kind of <laughs> we're building here. Like, send them my way, and and you know those benefits brokers trying to trying to cobble these kind of solutions together for their clients. You should call you as well. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 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 glad I was able to put those words in your mouth. So there you go. That was great. Yeah, that would be great if they all those folks with the squeaky wheel client that wanted something different from them called us. That'd be super. Great well, idea. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure we do have a number of benefits consultants that listen to this podcast. So there you go. I it'll, it'll, imagine quite a few. Yeah. All right. So how can people interested in the Apostrophe Health product and service, how can they learn more and get in touch with you? Yep. Um, they can go to our website at apostrophehealth.com. And there's buttons all over the place to contact my sales team. We'll dig right in. All right. Love and, it. Yep. Well, Cheryl, hey, on behalf of myself and our listeners, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day. This has been an awesome discussion and I hope uh, educational for our audience. It was really fun. You asked great questions. I appreciate it. You bet. And so to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Apostrophe Health's website and contact information. Lastly, be sure to check out some of the free resources on our website, including links to articles and books, as well as our Health Plan Innovator Scorecard, where you can benchmark your health plan against a plan that is truly designed to lower healthcare costs and improve value for your employees. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.